Nearly clipped. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. Uh, Roger here, and joining me is Declan Kitchener. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. This is our third episode um, via phone. Yes, um, and it's the first one out of the season. We shouldn't be here. What's going on? I know, it does feel a bit different, doesn't it? Feels like we've broken into school in the summer holidays or something. <laughs> And the toilets are all small. Wait, that's primary school. I beg your pardon? I never should have gone in there. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird going back to primary school, isn't it? Um, I've never been back. I think because I'm like, I'm, I'm seven years older than my sister and 16 years older than my brother. So I've had like times where I've seen plays and stuff where you go in and you have to use the toilet. And you go, the toilet's just down the hall over there. And you go in, and the toilets are about a foot tall. Oh, I've um, I've only got uh, two years between my brother and my sister, so I'm, I we all basically left at more or less the same time. So I've never been back, so far as I'm aware. No, Actually, that makes no, sense. I tell a lie. That when I used to live in Cornwall, that's where my voting station was. But I only got to go into like one of the classrooms that I didn't remember being in, so I hear as much no difference to me. Ah, uh, okay. So you weren't on the uh what do you call that? You didn't have to go to the loo. No, it's literally like, you know, I just went in there, voted, went home. Went to the loo there because it's my home. It's more comfortable. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. How hey, did we um, get onto this? <laughs> I have no idea. Um anyway so we have, um, well, we asked for questions um, for a Q&A for this episode because I thought that would be quite a cool thing to do. And I thought we'd be embarrassed by the minimal questions we got. Um, but I've been pleasantly surprised. We got 15 questions. So thank you to everybody who, who emailed or responded to um, our Instagram request for questions or Facebook or whatever. Um, Two thumbs really up, cool. one out of one. One out of one. Tons of fun. Yeah. So, um, so we haven't got songs this week. I think that's pretty uh, clear. Um, yeah, normally we write songs and uh, play them for each other on air and dissect them and talk about the writing of them. But as Roger has intimated, this is a different episode. Yes, um, yeah, quite a different style of episode. Um, a little bit more sort of relaxed. Um, I think the main impetus um, for this was like a lot of people are at home at the moment, you know, and... I think uh, keeping a little bit more content going is it's not a bad thing, you know. Mm. Bit of entertainment for songwriting fans the world over. <laughs> you get to hear some things about us. Mm. In, verily, yes. Most, ah. most definitely. <laughs> so, shall I... Shall I just dive into the questions? You haven't heard a lot of these questions, have you? Most of no, them, all of them. I've uh, seen one or two when I accidentally looked at the Instagram page, but uh, other than that, no. All right, cool. So um, I'm going to go By through accidentally one by- seeing them on the Instagram page, I mean like studiously going through every single one and preparing <laughs> the mis- wittiest answer that I could think of. <laughs> I, I picture you wearing like half moon glasses, like peeping over your your pre written notes that you sit up all night writing. Just 
I just there with my glass of mead, just writing down my answers with my quill. Someone comes in, Mr. Kitchener. It's uh, you've been here a long time, but I must get these answers right, Perkins. <laughs> so um, I look forward to your first um, pre-scripted uh, answer. So the first four questions are from our friend John Key, um, regular emailer to the show and uh, friend of the show at this point, isn't he, John Key? Yes, indeed. We always uh, enjoy reading emails and stuff from John Key. So uh, two thumbs up, one out of one. For his first question, uh, John Key says, Hey lads, long time. I'm sure I have a few questions built up over the past season of episodes, so here goes. Can I get more Declan? I found a lot of material from Roger on SoundCloud and Bandcamp, and getting more and more into it. Some real genre changes over the last few years. What about Declan? I found a few tracks, but it seems like Declan isn't putting much effort into self-publishing. Hey Declan, I like the weekly songs you've written. Full band renditions would be awesome. But even just the weekly acoustic versions would be worth checking out on SoundCloud. I see some, but nowhere near the 75 podcast episodes in the book. So he's taking you to task there, Declan. What do you yes. say? Yes. Um, <laughs> well, uh, basically the reason that I haven't done a lot of uh, self-publishing uh, in the same way that Roger has is mainly down to two reasons. One is that I was holding off for a long time trying to put a band together because that's kind of more what I've wanted to do than be like a solo musician is be part of a band where everyone writes songs and I just happen to write these weird ones. And, you know, that's what I do as part of that outfit. Uh, so mm. I was putting that off for years and years and years and years. Um, it's only recently got to the point where now I'm thinking, right, I can demo stuff for, to do by myself and do more in the spirit of what Roger does. Uh, so I've been demoing uh, songs for an album now. So I, I am getting on it. The other reason is that I can't record and mix and master as well as Roger can. Roger has got all of this technology to do that and the skills and know-how. You took a course on music production, didn't you, at yeah. uh, college? Whereas I did, um, whereas I did acting. So <laughs> there's not a lot of there's not a lot of crossover in skills other than maybe giving it beans on the performance. Um, I have put some of my weekly song acoustic demos on there, and I always intend to do more, uh, but it just ends up being a matter of time because I work not quite full time hours, but nearly full time hours. So uh, that's basically why that's happening. But like I say, I am demoing my album at the moment. Uh, and I'm going to get it done by later this year, even if we're still in lockdown. Even I've said to Roger, I'm getting this done with him, even if I have to send him every single stem individually. <laughs> and but, uh, the gr great thing about this situation at the moment is that's a possibility, <laughs> the time-wise. Yeah, none of these stems will have any bass in them at all, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I... Point taken, I will try and get more uh, acoustic renditions of songs up on my SoundCloud and everything. And if you haven't checked out Roger's work, do check it out because it is absolutely awesome. You're too kind. Well, I'm like uh, your biggest fan, so, you know, I have to say it. So more Declan coming on the way. That album's going to be really good, by the way. Um, I know that because, well... A lot of people have heard the songs in their demo form on the podcast, but I've heard like the slightly more arranged demos, and it's shaping up to be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, question two again from John Key. 
He writes, What's the plan for the future of the podcast? Did you guys set a goal to run for a while or is it just indefinite? Is it profitable or costly? Can it grow into, into a viable business? Well, I, I'm going to have to say that it is definitely costly because we do not make any profit on it whatsoever. We pay for you know, RSS feed and hosting on that. I pay for petrol. Uh, we pay for like new guitar strings, although that's part of a musician's base cost anyway. Um, that yeah, so it's not it's not profitable in any way. We don't have like a Patreon. We don't have any sort of subscriber system. We don't have any merch for sale. Would people buy merchy things? I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess that's something for for I mean, listeners to answer. I mean, I'd buy a T-shirt with the logo on it and maybe one out of one at the bottom, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd like it to be printed in the worst way possible. Um, What were the other parts of that question? Well, um, he says, uh, did you guys set a goal to run for a while or is it indefinite? I think it's pretty much indefinite. So long as we're still friends and we still enjoy doing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean... The, f- the fact that we can do it via phone and it still works to some extent um, kind of tells me that, you know, we'll always find a way and there is a will to keep on doing it. So it's kind of indefinite. And, um, you know, we'll just do season after season after season until we don't have time or we get sick of it or whatever. But we'll be around for a while, I think. I think the thing to make clear with that is also like indefinite, but maybe not regular. Because I think since I moved up to Bristol, uh, we've been trying to make it more regular and try to have a shorter gap between the seasons because I know there was a long time where we just did not put out any new episodes because we were too far away from each other. Mm. Um, But uh, we didn't try audio episodes over the phone, as it were. So I think we've changed our stance on that slightly. So... We'll try and make it more regular, but we can't promise because life throws hurdles, as we all know. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I think we covered all of that. So his uh, third question, um, John writes, does the music industry suck? I would love to hear your thoughts on what it takes to be successful, what's unfair about it, and what might have ruined it and what might fix it. You want to feel this one? Depends which bit of the music industry you're talking about and also which era of time you're talking about. Um, I think sometimes there's a perception that maybe the music industry is either better or more forgiving at some point in the 60s to 70s where you could start as a pub band and then go on to take on the world, uh, a la the Beatles or something. Um, There are a lot more musicians, there's a lot more uh, diverse styles of music being produced now, which means that sort of dream is unlikely plus musical tastes have moved away from rock slightly although it's never quite gone away um Mm. and also what we have to remember is there's sort of a false uh memory of like everything was good in the 70s because you had like queen you had led zeppelin you had acdc you had all of this there was a lot of crap in the 70s as well (laughs) we just (laughs) remember the good stuff also, if you liked things like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin in the 70s, you still would have been an outsider because that wasn't necessarily as popular as, you know, like disco hits or something. So yeah, yeah. It's a balancing act. Um, I, yeah, go on. I, one thing I was going to say is that I think it's probably more difficult to 
make a sustainable career just as a musician, but it can be done. But I think also in terms of self, uh, self-publishing, what you potentially gain in artistic control and retaining, you know, uh, control of your masters and everything and not necessarily having an executive voice telling you you must write free hits, you know, for this summer season or something. Mm. Uh, you know, what you lose in prof- profitability, you gain in artistic control. So that's a sliding scale. Also, one thing I do hate about the modern music industry, at least the mainstream music industry, is it now takes three or four years to release an album. Whereas, like, you could do, like, you know, Beatles did two a year. Like, in the 70s, you did, like, one a year. In the 80s, you did, like, one every two years. Three or four years seems a bit of a stretch to me. Like, people have forgotten about you by that point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's not a hard and fast rule, but, you know, it happens. I think the redeeming thing these days is the fact that it's so affordable and easy to make your own music in how exactly how you want it. So, like... You could, um, you know, work a nine-to-five job Monday to Friday, and then you could spend your evenings and weekends making just the most uh, creatively integral music you can come up with. And then you also have the ability to, largely for free, share it with um, a potential audience online. Um, I think think generally um, the concept of massive bands and massive labels is diminishing more and more and more but i think there's that's not a negative so much as it's simply transmuted into this thing where you can be a fairly successful band with a niche audience and quite a um and a lot of integrity in the way you present yourself um be on a smaller label which gives you more creative freedom and then be able to tour but because of the internet your your crowd doesn't have to be this thing that is sourced through magazines and MTV. It can be this thing that's just sourced through a particular demographic on Instagram and Facebook, for example, following you and discovering you and then, you know, identifying with you and supporting you. Um, my thoughts on, on the music industry is kind of above my pay grade. I've sent loads of stuff to, to labels and and magazines and all that sort of thing. So I've had that kind of interaction, but my general thinking at the moment, and it has been for the past couple of years, is you should make music because you love making music. And I think that sounds really obvious, but it kind of does a couple of things. First of all, if you do it because you love it, the music itself will be better. And then if the music itself is better, you'll probably attract more of an audience because people will always be attracted to well-produced, well-written music, I think um, the no thing matter is... what year it is. I think the thing is, is you're you're making something that you like, then you're gonna someone else in the world is probably gonna like it as well, who maybe isn't being catered for by like more arguably mainstream musical tastes. So, you know, if you're not being served by mainstream music and you want to make this thing just for you, there's a chance that there's a wider audience that hasn't discovered it yet. Absolutely, it's available for them. One thing I will say on the music industry. Sorry to cut you off a little bit is that streaming is hurting musicians. I, I think there's interviews with um, uh, uh, James Vecalotti, the main singer from Defefana, where he says, we lose so much money when people stream our work rather than like buy a copy of it, which streaming is a lot more convenient and it has its upsides and it's good for like the more casual music fan. But I think the main thing sort of, if I could sort of force one change on... 
uh, audiences is that if they like uh, someone's work streaming, then maybe buy like merch or a CD or something to support it because then you've always got it. But then that's also asking quite a financial investment from audiences and it's not the way the world works. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the... It is a tricky thing, the debate about streaming, because it's like you're kind of arguing with the the path of least resistance. Like people will go towards streaming because it simply is easier rather than it's, you know, people will go towards a YouTube video rather than down even downloading that same video um, from a site. Um, I think there's but, maybe a temptation to sort of see bands who have like one or two albums out as being like higher in the musical echelons in terms of financial stability than they maybe are. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true, that's true. Um, okay, so let me see. Uh, question four, um, the fourth and final question from John Key. Um, he says, why does Roger's mic look so crazy? Why are there so many different looking microphones? Rogers looks like he paid a mad scientist to build him a custom microphone and he used spare parts from his laboratory. Is it some version of this condenser mic? And he's pictured um, a Rode NT1A. Um, I tried doing a Google image search, but it only came up... But all it came up with was, quote, boat, unquote, which is rather strange. And he sent me that screenshot too. So um, <laughs> why does my mic look so crazy? It's um, a crater, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's the cradle. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's essentially uh, quite a standard mic. It's a Rode NT1A, which is um, kind of a, uh, I think, a slightly more budget version of a Rode NT1. And um, it's, uh, what do you call it, marketed as the world's quietest vocal microphone. Um, and it's really good, really good. It works well on guitars and voice and all sorts of stuff. And I have two of them for when I mic drums as well. I'm going to have uh, to uh, get one of those so that I can maybe send you some things for the podcast that don't have all the hiss in the world in the background. <laughs> yeah, condenser mics are a really good thing to invest in. Um, okay, so, yeah. Uh, so let me see. we got question five here from Ben Alder, who is um, another friend of the show. Um, another regular emailer. Yeah. Um, and Ben says, Declan's demoing his album now, and Roger has released a number of albums. I'm currently mixing my own album, so I'm curious how you guys decide which songs should be on your projects. How do you know when to cut something from the album? Do you have any particular reason for arranging the songs in the order you do? So, uh, Who wants to take this one first? <laughs> I'll have a crack at it. Um, so... <laughs> Um, so he's curious how we decide which songs will be on a project and how we arrange them, essentially. So for me, I have a few different projects. So the, the nature of the project kind of dictates which type of songs go on it. So if I'm writing things that are quite instrumentally dense and sort of the arrangements of the songs themselves are interesting, that usually becomes part of a project I do called Pea Green Boat, where my friend Joe O'Neill will write vocals to it. And then, so anything that's rocky, instrumental, fast-paced, blah, 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 all that stuff goes on a Pea Green Boat album. And then there's certain albums I do which are very acoustic-based, and then, so all the acoustic songs get funneled into that. And there's other, other albums I do which are much more sort of rock-based, and they have drums, and then I work with particular musicians on those ones, 
Uh, so each kind of like type of song gets funneled into an album and it's kind of like a refined process at this point where um, just my favorite songs go on the albums and the way I tend to sequence them uh, for, for my albums is uh, there's no really hard and fast rule but if I have say 10 songs I'll the sequence kind of comes as I'm mixing, like just ideas like, oh, this song's definitely song one because it like has a good kick in or like it has an interesting chord progression at the beginning and things like that. So like in my head, like, oh, that's definitely track one, the album opener. And then I go, oh, OK, I've got this ballad, this piano ballad, which has strings at the end. That's definitely going to be the last track on the album because I like it when albums close with um, a ballad. Um, there's, there's some things that are a little less conventional like that uh, than that, like... Um, for example, sometimes I like to have track three be a waltz um, because it's the number three. Is that um, why um, As It's You uh, is um, track three on To Your Heart's Content? Yeah, that's right. That's that's it. That's it. Um, I also go by this um, this thing I heard in a... You know, sometimes you just attach yourself to, um, to something you heard in a film ages ago. When I was like 14 or 15, I heard um, in the film High Fidelity... He's he, the guy in the in the film. He's making somebody a mixtape, and he goes, "You want track one of a mixtape to be explosive and exciting, and you want track two to be even more exciting to to ramp it up even further, and then you want track three to be softer." So I kind of always keep that in mind, not to a, not to a, all the time, but I pretty much keep that in mind. Um, but it's just whichever flows best, really. Kind of just let the songs dictate. How about you? Um, this is going to be a slightly weird answer. Uh, I tend to think of it more in terms of like composing a set list, which I've done quite a lot of time when I was in bands in Cornwall. Uh, I tended to... Me and the bassist tend to be the ones who are looking after the set list a lot of the time, so we ended up coming out of a load of like rules, like we know this one kicks in strong, so we'll put that there. Uh, these two flow into each other well, so we'll put that there. We can't put those two together because they share the same key signature, like little tricks like that to keep it varied um mm. you know or like we've got three covers in a row there we can't like you know we have to put an original in there that kind of thing um so i've always think in terms of keeping as much variety as i can uh this is the first proper album that i'm making but i sort of <laughs> i've done that thing in the past where like i've had like I don't know, six acoustic demos or something, and I just think, I'll just arrange these into an album and I'll just, you know, this is what it would sound like. Um, <laughs> so when I've tended to do that before and when I've done with this one is, like, try to pick songs that have, like, a particular theme to them. Uh, so in this case, this album is kind of about uh, Cornwall and Bristol. So it's songs that sort of relate to those mm. like uh there's i've been saying to roger at some points in this album shall we put this one on here or shall we put this one on here like songs that i've been demoing since and they they're not thematically relevant there's a lot of good songs that i've written that uh won't be going on this album because they don't fit the theme uh and there's also one sort of song that i like but I'm having to work a lot on to try and make it fit. But it's so thematically relevant, it has to go on there. And <laughs> it's a nice... It breaks up the flow a little bit nicely. But um, it's just a logic puzzle of like, okay, I know that one starts good, I know that one ends good, so we've got to get from there to there. 
the mood of the music has to flow nicely. We have to have enough changes that people keep listening, uh, try and keep similar key signatures away from each other. And then also, I kind of like when albums, I'm talking more like on vinyl here, but like when albums have side one and side two sort of separated a little bit, you can get this in the CD age, like uh, for example, Scissor Sisters, Tada, uh, has like essentially what would be side one and then a song called Intermission. And then the second side of the album starts, mm. uh, which I like the idea of, but this is kind of what I'm doing with mine as well. So it's like you're building two mini sets uh, with this imaginary gap where the listener will uh, like flip the record over even though it's a download. Yeah. So it's just thinking logistically like that, really. Yeah, I think um, one last point I'll make is, like you, Declan, I do think in terms of, like, real albums, whether that's a CD or a or or an LP, um, I do think in terms of the albums I, I kind of grew up and was listening to, you know, the fact that there are definitely two distinct sides to a lot of albums and and that plays into the overall package of a piece of work. Um, and I think the album as, as, a, as an art form is... Is brilliant. I mean, it's still around, but you know, less so in the streaming age. But I think you and I are both similar in that we base our arrangements and sequences on on that. You know, the real physical album model. Well, if you're um, creating like a coherent set of work, then it's a good model to base around. Not just because of like you know, oh, it's matching things in the past that are old, so it's better. Because that's not mm. necessarily true. Because there are plenty of bad albums out there. But just forty-five minutes to like an hour with maybe a, like a break in the middle or something is the way a lot of uh tv works as well like you mm. look at episodes of star trek or you know doctor who or even things like breaking bad they're about 45 to an hour long with maybe like a, a fade out for commercials in the middle where you can just go and make a cup of tea and that mm. just works really well to sort of keep people invested definitely definitely it's about as long as you can pay attention before you think, right, okay, this has been going on a bit. Like, you need another class of, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, storytelling to sort of keep you invested longer than that. Yep, yeah, definitely. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I can't really think of anything more for that one, can you? Not that I can think of. Okay, we'll move on to question six, which is from Ruben Marino, who has uh, been played on the show before. Um, and he says, how do you write your arrangements? How do you write your arrangements? There, I don't, I don't, I don't write many. Uh, I suppose I can only really talk about this in the sort of sense of demoing stuff, although I have done this for acoustic demos that I put on my SoundCloud and things. When I tend to sort of... Uh, right on the guitar I'll, or on the piano, I all sort of have a band sound in my head. Mm. So a lot of my songs will end up being uh, like they'll have like a bass that moves independently of the chords or there'll be a riff that's meant to be repeated but just gets simplified into a chord or something. So it's just taking apart uh, all of the component bits and, you know, Maybe put the chords there, put the riff over there. Okay, we've lost a bit of the strength, so let's maybe have a melody line up through here. Like, it's it's just... 
essentially getting the vision from your head into the uh into the recording project mm, and mm. like the you know it, it's just if there's a bit that you think has been de-emphasized maybe like rework something or maybe just put another one on top to like re-emphasize that idea that's been lost or something that's the only way i think about it um apart from guitar harmonies which is just like working them all out on a piece of paper beforehand mm. <laughs> like writing it down yeah yeah that's the only time i sort of like actually work something through the rest of it is done by you know feel don't think use your instincts may the force be with you <laughs> yeah i um i'm kind of the same really um in that when i write a song you know i'll have a pretty good idea nine times out of ten, what type of song it is. And it's based on sort of, I mean, you know, having listened to a lot of music, it's based on like, oh, this is the same type of song as this Paul McCartney song. Oh, or this is the same type of, uh, this will be the same type of production as this Todd Rundgren song or like this ABBA song or what have you. So you kind of know like, oh, okay. And from having listened to that music in the past, you go, okay, if it's like that Todd Rundgren song, it's going to have this type of drum sound. It's going to have this type of not only bass sound, but like bass line where it's like it plays a little bit more or less than, than a, you know, a regular song would. It'll have the guitars panned left and right um, or it'll it'll contain synths or not. Um, and does it have a bunch of vocal harmony? So it's kind of like comparing it to songs which already exist um, and not like kind of copying them uh bit for bit for bit but uh sort of taking cues from various different songs that have either been released in the past or that i've worked on my own in the past and i've gone okay that cool that works um it's kind of capturing the feel isn't it yeah capturing the feel um and uh and that sort of thing and uh yeah so there's usually one instrument in my arrangements that that carries the chords and it's usually an acoustic guitar that's usually right at the center of the track of most of my songs um and then the guitar that you could take everything else away and it would just be acoustic guitar and vocal and it would still work but then obviously have drums underneath it and then the bass kind of accenting the roots or the fifths or maybe something a bit more interesting than that and then the guitars will probably like develop riffs as I record the electric guitars. So like, and then the synths will kind of do a little bit of what the acoustic guitar is doing. That's so my favorite like... part of a. Um, sorry to cut you off. That's my favorite part okay. of like doing a uh, recording project is finding like you know some sort of gap and thinking like, okay, what could fit there, and like coming out of the perfect guitar part that only appears for like that bar, but it fits that hole perfectly and it elevates something. That's always something I love doing, whether it's on a recording project or with a band or something. It's just finding the right part that fits that moment. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's cool. Yeah, that's yeah, totally. That's that's what it's all about. It's like you said, you, you got to go and feel. It's like you can't go, you can't be too prescriptive with like, okay, now I've got the basic acoustic guitar and drums down. This electric guitar part has to do this, this, and this. It's like you just play the electric guitar along with the recording, and then you you go with what feels best and what seems to fit there's usually like a bit of a light bulb moment with with recording any part really especially like guitars and backing vocals i think are the big ones for me where you go oh yeah that guitar part works so well with the way that chord changes and then then you're off you know mm. so yeah. yeah um let me see so 
Question seven is also from Ruben, and he says, do you ever run out of inspiration? And if so, how do you sort it? Oh, all the time. Um, how I sort it is by having to, a seven-day deadline. <laughs> so if I don't get something... <laughs> that does help, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think... We we do tend to talk about on the podcast if we've had like a dry run or if we've had like um, trouble coming up with something. I think the biggest way to get over that is to start having something, which sounds weird, but like if you've been struggling all week, but you suddenly think, okay, I've got this riff, but it's really simple, or I you know I can't really expand it a lot, so I won't use it. That's sort of maybe the wrong attitude to think is like okay i've got this how can i improve it or how can i develop it because at least you've got something and i yeah. think it's more it's less important to sort of have something perfect than it is to have something yeah yeah definitely um i think uh trent Reznor said it well where he said don't try to write the best thing ever try to write the best thing you can write right now mm. that's a it's good way like, of looking at it yeah, like, it, I just think with with anything creative, there's, like, this, especially for people who've just started songwriting and that sort of thing, there's this intimidating factor, which is, oh, no, I need to write a song as good as the songs I like, which at the start is completely impossible because you go, oh, I, I like the Beatles and I like this and that. And to go, and then you write your song, and especially if you, you complete it and it doesn't turn out as well as you would have liked, it can be quite discouraging, but... I think the attitude to adopt is, I'll just write. Um, but I've got something done. I can write another one now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, and also, you, you do get bolstered if you, if you write something and you complete it. Especially like, you know, I remember when I started writing my own songs when I was quite a bit younger, and I would just get. I knew they weren't like great, but I just put my headphones on and just like re-listen and re-listen and re-listen. Like just this this excitement of i made a thing i made a song um which then spurs you on to do the next thing but you only get that little like you know whatever it is dopamine boost or whatever if you complete it if you kind of tell yourself like oh i did it you know um well it's but it's you're never going to reach the point where you sort of start writing great songs and then never run out of ideas because that's always going to be the case there's this great post by the onion that says something like here's how I feel after I wrote my first great article. Well, there goes all my ideas. I'll never have another good one. <laughs> and here's how I feel after I've written my 700th good idea. Well, there goes my last good idea. I'll never have another one. Yeah. And it's always true when, like, you write something that you think, no, yeah, this is great. I'm really proud of this. Fuck, what do I do now? I've just exhausted all my creativity. And it's not true because you'll be inspired by something or you'll see something or you may, you'll watch a film or you'll read a book or, I don't know, you'll just have a weird random thought one day and that will spur on something else. But it, it just mm. happens. Yeah, it does just happen. I mean, I know this, this might sound a bit alienating or something, but I don't really ever run low on inspiration. I never have dry patches. And maybe I'm jinxing it now by saying that, but... I haven't ever had a period where I, I've been like, ah, oh, I have nothing to write. I've always got something in mind to write or make or something. I think it helps that I have, like, different things to write for. That helps, you know. 
because it's not always just like oh i need to write another acoustic song like there's always something else to do but um i think I, th- I think the way to sort it is really just to either really buckle down and try to write or if that isn't working put down the guitar or leave the piano alone and just go outside and live your life for like a month and then come back and you'll come back with fresher experiences and probably more of a an incentive to write i mean that's not great advice right now <laughs> yeah true. but the point still stands like if you are just if nothing is coming just take the evening off just watch a crap film or you know just phone your mum or something like that just do something different yeah totally totally because then you'll have a new thought process when you come back yeah you can't force it too much you know that's, uh, well, although you can as well, because that's what we do every week, and that does it does help having a deadline. That's one thing I'll say that helps. Well, uh, there are definitely songs that I've written that are just for the podcast. You know, it's because I have to write a song in the week. But but then, like, the at least you is, got over that hurdle. Well, the yeah, the thing is, I wrote something, even if it's not my best work. I wrote something. Yeah, so that I, makes me happier. I reckon if like, if we didn't have the challenge, but you like personally like almost uh in an isolated way went i'm gonna write a song this week and then it comes to sunday and you haven't told anyone you're doing that you haven't got a real proper deadline and then you haven't written anything i think that's probably quite bad for your your sort of inner voice your self-confidence because you go like oh i didn't even write anything yeah i think it's better to go i wrote something and it wasn't very good than to not write anything at all yeah, I think this is basically the only way I write songs now. Like, it's this, or I have to, like, make bargains with people. Like, okay, so if you go out to the open mic in, uh, next week, then I'll write a new song for that or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely helps. Definitely helps. Um, it's a running partners thing, like you said before. Like, um, you know, uh, if one of us ever came to the podcast without a song, we'd let the other one down, so... Yeah, true. Um, just another quick point on that, actually, that just came to my mind, is I, I kind of uh, have this analogy of, like, striking while the iron's hot when it comes to songwriting. So I think I think something I, I used to come across quite a lot when I first started writing songs is, like, I'd write a song. No, not write a song. I'd, like, write a verse, and I'd be like, yeah, it's a pretty cool verse. And then I'd be like, okay, cool, I'll finish the rest some other day. And I'd just leave this verse laying around, and then I'd come back to it, like, two weeks later, and I'd be like, I wouldn't feel that same inspiration. I wouldn't feel like, oh, I need to finish this now. It'd be like almost like a chore, like, oh, I've got to finish this. So my thinking is, like, write all in one session if you can. Well, at least that works for me. Like, writing all in one session means that you get to... All the creative juices are flowing, all the parts will generally match, and then you can kind of give yourself a pat on the back at the end. I would concur with that. It's not always possible. Like, there are so many songs that I've had to write patchwork over the week that have actually ended up turning out pretty okay. But it's mm. always just more satisfying when you just think, uh, when you're just playing the guitar, you stumble on the riff and you think, oh, let's write a song out of this and you get it all done in the space of like two or three hours or something. Yeah, very true. Um, so question eight is from Jane, my mother. Mm. Um, hello. And she, hello. Uh, she says, which is your favorite weekly song and why? Um, I don't know. Is this of ours or of each other's, or is it just of all of them? Um, I'm I'm thinking it's like of each of ours. Like, what's your favourite one of yours? That's how I'm taking it. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know either. 
I've got a couple. Yeah. But I think my favourite ones, or like the ones that I always tend to go to when I go to open mics and everything that I feel happiest with, are pause, uh, GTFO, and running at the back of the crowd. Running at the back of the crowd is actually quite a fun one to do. Uh, if you could sort of like don't mess up the riff. <laughs> Because people think because you're putting a diminished there and you're putting like a sus four and things and like people think oh you're doing these really cool jazz chords it's like no they are literally <laughs> just <laughs> bits and pieces um but that changes like on a week-to-week -week basis those three just tend to stay near the top for me but i don't think i don't tend to think of like oh this is my favorite of my songs it's just like oh no these are the ones i know i can rely on yeah, yeah, like yeah, I know I know what you mean, kind of good go to ones. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll never forget the words to them ever again kind of thing. Definitely. Um I think if I had to choose one, it would be to have never loved at all. I believe if anybody cared that much for me they'd only end up lonely and aggrieved. Love is for the others who hold each other close and walk away from me. I don't want to tell you that I love you. A broken heart surprise I can't afford. Although I'm thinking of you, it's better to have never loved at all. Because I think that's... choice. I think that song is like the closest to... A, like a standard or a classic I've ever written um, in terms of how it's composed and like what it talks about. Um, I think it's, I think whenever I revisit that one more than any others, like with other ones, I'll kind of go, oh man, I could have done that different, blah, 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 you know. But with that one, I always go, it's almost like that's a bit beyond my capabilities, if you know what I mean. Mm. And like, yeah, I, I always think of that one as, as, as a good one. So. Um. I'm just going to say ones I like of yours now. Like, um, I really like uh, what ended up becoming Baggage Claim, which I think was untitled number four at the time. Oh, yeah. I really love Grand Pier and uh, Captain Lever. Just every single time, uh, every single time me and our mates from Cornwall come together and anyone says something remotely resembling like the sound of Captain Lever, everyone just goes, she, she runs a tighter ship than me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think, I think my, if I choose my favourite of yours, it would be Pause, because it's, it's brilliant. It's such a good song. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad we align on that one. But I think, it, I think for me, like, I, I have difficulty picking my favourite, like my ultimate favourite, because, like I said, I am one of your biggest fans. Not to sort of like <laughs> blow smoke up your ass or anything, but like um, no, 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 please, please. But 
Yeah, I just I just love what you do with writing songs, and I'm really happy that I do this podcast with you. Oh, you too. Yeah, it's, I completely. I I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. It's brilliant. Oh. This has become a very sentimental episode. But you've got to be rude to each other. I I I don't like you you you. you. There, see. Your your hairstyle is so last year. It's falling out. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> oh wait, we got more more from Ruben here. Um, Have we? Yeah. Ooh. So let me see. Question nine: Which instrument do you write the most on, and why? Acoustic guitar, just because it's the most practical thing to uh, bring to the sessions. It used to be a bit more 50-50 split when we did these in Cornwall and we had, like, a piano in the room. Yeah. But uh, I use it a lot less now. But I still use it for working out chord stuff every now and then. Yeah, I'm I'm the same uh, acoustic guitar and pretty much because it's, the like you said, the easiest thing to bring to the recording sessions for this podcast. I love writing on piano, but... It's guitar, pretty much. And plus, I'm a better guitarist than I'm a piano player. I know my theory, like, way better on guitar. Well, I'm a, I'm a uh, guitarist at heart. Plus, on piano, I tend to write more of the same sort of song, whereas with guitar, I have a bit more variety. Like, with piano, it's always going to be, like, uh, vamping up and down the chords with a melody line overlaid on the top and, like, you know, octave bass and things like that. So I know what a piano song from me is going to sound like, where a guitar song can go any which way. That's well put. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, so let me see here. Uh, question 10. This is kind of a cool one. Who inspires you the most? Me! <laughs> uh, I need to think about that a second, actually. Um, I, because I've, I've read this question before, I kind of had a little think. Um, I think Paul McCartney's my biggest influence. Brian Daddario, I think, is just one of not only the best songwriters of of now, but just of all time. I think he and he's only like twenty three, but he's he's brilliant. Um, he was a big inspiration. Prince used to be a big one for me, but not so much anymore, weirdly. Um, hmm. The band Ween um, are always an influence on me because they're so multi-genre. And uh, if I had to pick one more, Carpenters inspire me a lot as well because their arrangements are, like... Head and shoulders above anybody else's. I hope that we get like a tiny little clip of each of them just to sort of show how diverse they all are. <laughs> Consider it done. How about you then? Any any thoughts? Um, it might end up being like a big long list, but uh, I think Queen is the like elephant in the room here, uh, specifically Freddie and Brian. 
Brian, I think, has just got such a way with the guitar, with the way he sort of stacks harmonies and everything, and his songwriting is really cool. And then Freddie is just... If you look at his songs in terms of chord structure and everything and the diversity he was able to get out of, you know, his instruments, like the piano and the voice, like, wow. Um, yeah. I think every every guitar player is influenced by the Beatles a bit, like, you know, and for me, a lot. Although I think more George Harrison because he's the best Beatle. Like, Ooh. if you look at his use of, like, uh, diminished chords, particularly in his solo era stuff, and uh, if you just look at the kind of songs he was writing in the later Be uh, Beatles period, like, While My Guitar Gently Weeps has to be one of, if not the best Beatles song. In terms of modern influence, uh, I think Frank Turner has to be a big one. To speak out loud the things I know I haven't been myself Wandering Rosebury Avenue mm. it's sort of, That's sort of like DIY punk ethos, but with a very sort of... Um, community-focused message or sort of like I think you said it before like the we few we happy few like this is for us and we're going to be welcoming and we're going to have fuck tons of fun mm. but we're just going to be uh, you know kind and good-natured about it while still kicking ass um, I like it um so let's see here uh Catherine via Instagram asks which song do you wish you'd written before someone else did. Like, which song do you wish you'd written, basically? All of them. <laughs> all of the songs. <laughs> yeah. Think Every of the album. experience I have. Think of all the chords I know. Oh, ooh, this is difficult. I'm going to go with When I Leave the World Behind by Irving Berlin. I leave the song to the blind. I leave the moon Because I think that song is just brilliant and lyrically touches something that a lot of other songs don't touch. There are so many good songs that you could pick for this. But I think what I'm going to say is uh, Nina Simone's version of uh, My Baby Just Cares For Me. My baby don't care for cars and races. My baby don't care for. I don't please. Nice. This is not a But then it goes off into this weird territory in the middle, and I just. It's one of my favourite recordings, and it's one of my favourite songs, and I do want to do a heavy rock version of it one day. But, uh, yeah, just that song. That is a wow. killer song and a killer recording, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's just there's a lot less in it than you would imagine. Because <laughs> you think of it as being like this sort of slightly more luscious thing than it actually is. Right. And it's literally just like a piano, a double bass, and like some snare brushes. And that's about it. And the voice as well, but yeah, that's a given. Nice, cool. Um, okay, so question 12. Do you prefer writing melodies or lyrics, and why? Melodies. <laughs> yeah, melodies for me too. I mean, I think the thing for me is like melodies, lyrics, and chords kind of come at the same time, so it's kind of hard to like, you know, pass them off into separate categories in a way. But yeah, melodies. Melodies, where is that? I think for me, the point I've always made is that I'm a musician, I'm not a poet. Um, I like writing, but I view it as a separate um, sort of task to putting the music together. And I have written songs with the lyrics first, but it always feels a bit weaker that way, or mostly feels a bit weaker that way. Yeah. Um, uh, so once you, if you're in the habit of writing melodies first and then you have to retrofit some words to this sequence it can get difficult and i you know uh i i don't like things being difficult i wish everything was easy but then life would be no fun <laughs> here here it reminds me of there's this great freddie mercury quote where he says like oh i absolutely hate writing lyrics i'd absolutely love to have like a bernie torpin and have someone else do it for me but i'm such a control freak that i need to do it all myself <laughs> <laughs> i can relate to that big time okay so question 13 um which song or songs would you recommend to someone looking for new music? So if we go ahead and like choose maybe like three songs each. Sure thing. Um, I'll put a little clip as well. Okay. So uh, three that I'm thinking of is Caravan Palace, Rocket To Me, but specifically you can find this on YouTube, the live version at the trio. recommend watching the clip as well just because i think it's one of the great examples of mixing uh like visual performance with audio performance mm, intriguing um just because i'm a massive fan uh i'm gonna say uh frank turner get better really recommend the whole album it's my favorite album of his but uh just that song there and then for a more recent one uh uh this is one i heard in a music shop that i work in guess which one <laughs> it's not really been a lot out this year that i've been really mad about um but one that i have been mad about is um the big moon uh and their song a hundred ways to land so feel your 
Again, I uh, really recommend checking out the whole album. It's called Walking Like We Do. Um, but, yeah, it's one of the only things this year that's a new release that's made me think, yeah, I could get into this. Nice. Uh, a new one as well. Awesome. So a fa- fair bit of variety there um, to check out. Um, I think I'll go for Barry Town by Steely Dan. Logic, which is their second album. What was the name of the song? I didn't catch that. Barrytown? Barrytown. Yeah. Okay. Um, For another one, uh, I'll go for Freedom of 76 by Ween, which is probably one of the first couple of Ween songs I ever heard. It's definitely from the first album I ever heard by them, which is called Chocolate and Cheese. version of Goodbye to Love by Carpenters, which is off Live at the Palladium. Um, that song is just brilliant. I mean, Is this the one that really goes well through written. a million like changes? Yes, yeah, you got it. Yeah, it goes through so many uh, key changes, but, but like one of those songs where you don't really realise it's doing it um, as obviously as some other songs. And also the guitar solo is to die for, and he gets a second solo at the end, and he uses phaser, and it's a good phaser, and it's a good song. Supposed to a bad phaser. A, like, a bad phaser and a bad song. No one can predict the wheel of fortune
that's that's uh, three each from old Decky and I. Oh, uh, I'm going to add a quick fourth one in because I've only just remembered it existed. Um, if you like sort of the mid-noughties guitar boom kind of thing, so like Arctic Monkeys, Franz Ferdinand, Fratellis, Kaiser Chiefs, that kind of thing, check out the Snuts mixtape EP. Nice. Sweet, sweet, sweet. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, question 14 here. How many uh, more do we have? Got, well, uh, this is question 14 and question 15 to go. So, two more questions. Ooh. So, how... So, Simone says, how long have you both been playing the guitar? Ah! Sorry, everything's falling off. I'll, I'll sort that afterwards. It's fine. Sorry, I just had to, like, <laughs> uh, take out all my CDs to sort of look at what <laughs> I'd actually listened to recently and they're all falling down again but it's fine we'll just press <laughs> on leave this in it's fine <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh how long have you been playing guitar um hold on I need to work this out a little bit so my first proper guitar lesson was uh when I left main school but before I entered sixth form uh so I know that I went to university in 2011, so I started 6 one 2009. So 11 years. And then, 11 years? And then 13 years playing music altogether because I started on piano. Wow, damn. That's a, that's a long old that's time. a long old time. Yeah. Um, God, I've got to do my math now. <laughs> so I started playing guitar when I was 11 years old. I hate you. And I'm 27 now. So what's nine plus seven, and why can't I do that math? <laughs> um, uh, if you're eleven when you started, and you're twenty-seven now, that's sixteen years, isn't it? Sixteen years. I should really be further along than I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I literally just thinking about it. There, it's like thirteen years, and this is where I've got. <laughs> I should be better at this. But um, but yeah, you started a lot earlier than I did. Five yes. years earlier, yes, to be yes, precise. Yeah, and um, man, when I when I first started playing guitar, I was so diligent with my practice um, sessions, and I used to sit there and like practice the real warm ups and learning scales and everything. And then when I was about fourteen or fifteen or so, I got into songwriting, which is a gateway drug, and I stopped practicing guitar as much. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I've I since I started when I was hang on, how old am I? So I would have started when I was 16, so I was uh, playing guitar, that is. So I would have just started... Uh, I would have just started trying to learn songs because I already knew a bit of music theory anyway from my two years of piano. So, right. uh, yeah, I've never been particularly fastidious for scales or, um, like, proper technique or anything. I just bash the thing and try and make it do the chords that I <laughs> want it to do. <laughs> I think it's a good way to start. Yeah, it's um, maybe maybe not the best way to recommend learning how to play guitar. Like you know, learn scales <laughs> and learn all the important stuff because you will need it and it will hurt you later on down the line if you don't know this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the last question, the final question, is from Jess. Um, this one came from Instagram, and it's, "What program do you use to mix slash record?" Roger. I use the program Logic Express 9, um, which is 
really good, really, really good. I think I think uh, it's worth saying how I got to using Logic Express 9. So when I was like 13, I got a four-track tape recorder, and it was a really cool little gadget, actually, four-track tape recorder, but with like speakers in it and guitar effects like pr- built into this thing, made by, I think, uh, Korg. And then I graduated Hello, to my name's 16... Korg. It's me. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do a Ragnarok reference. Continue. It got to be done. Um, yeah, so then I graduated to a 16-track digital recorder, and then I was like, "Hey, you can actually record and see things on a screen." Um, and so I saved up and I got a MacBook so that I could run Logic rather than dirty Pro Tools on a Windows computer. <laughs> and uh, I've used Logic ever since, and I love it. And Logic Express Nine is good. I don't think you can even get it anymore because. Like, now it's, like, Logic 10 or Logic Pro. But Logic Express 9 is exactly the same as Logic 9, Pro 9, you know. But way cheaper. But it doesn't have all the stupid sample libraries, which I never use anyway. So if you can get hold of Logic Express 9 still, which I don't think you can, then it's, like, £100. And it's so... It's... Yeah. I've, I've made the money back time and time again over. So that makes me sound like I'm rich. I'm not. <laughs> it's just, it just has it more has than £100. Itself, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Which yes, is exactly, rich to me, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how about you? Um, I really don't do lots of mixing and mastering and stuff. Uh, I'm recording this as we speak into Audacity, just because it is simple and it's about the level that I can handle. Um, because I'm a very dumb man. Uh, I <laughs> I've just switched over to using something called Catewalk, so I'm going to try doing a few demos in that, and that's got more features in it and it looks like more like uh, proper DAW than uh, uh, than Audacity does so we'll, we'll see but this is, is not a is question free? Uh, it's free as well that's the thing I can't put money oh. into this immediately because I like buying other things too much because um, <laughs> I'm a terrible musician and I can't support <laughs> I can't support any kind of music career um <laughs> But, yeah, I those are what I use, but this is really not a question for me to be answering. Sure, sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's the questions. That's all of them. 15 questions. Wow. I'm really, I'm really touched that we got 15 questions. I, I, I thought it would be, like, one question from my aunt asking for money back or something. <laughs> yeah. So, Declan, what do you feel about this? Well, as an outsider's perspective... <laughs> You should really give her the money back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's been the show. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose uh, one thing I, you know, just to sort of, uh, you know, what are you watching or listening to at the moment? I know we always put in the comments like what we're listening to, but like, uh, seeing as we're on lockdown and we've had more time and everything uh to watch things like that is there anything you've particularly watched or listened to or read or anything that you might want to recommend to the viewers and listeners why did i say viewers that's the wrong word (laughs) cool question yeah yeah um so i will just say for the first week of all this stuff becoming like part of the mainstream all the coronavirus like lockdown stuff i didn't listen to much music and i think it was some weird like reaction to the situation but since then i've listened to more stuff um I've been listening to... I've been in a big Steely Dan kick recently. Um, especially, well, really only the first two albums, Can't Buy a Thrill and Pretzel Logic. Those are great albums, which I'd recommend. Um, I've been 
Uh, let me think. Let me think. I've been watching Better Call Saul um, on on the TV. Oh, I've got season um, which one of really that good. waiting on my um, Blu-ray pile. Uh, is that any good? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. It's um, I prefer it to Breaking Bad personally. I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been reading this book, well, a series of books called Riverworld, but I've been reading them for ages. It's uh, this series of books where everyone who's ever lived on Earth, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, Adolf Hitler, you, me, everybody listening. Those are the only all people. Wake up, <laughs> they all wake up on this, on this giant planet, um, and the whole uh, series of books is sort of ascertaining why they woke up there, what is the meaning of this second life. So it's great. It's like kind of a mystery, a sci-fi. There's aliens involved. It's really good. But I'm on the fourth book and trying to finish that at the moment. So plenty of time. And, yeah, how about you? Um, In terms of listening, uh, I think I'll go in the same order that you went. Uh, I haven't listened to a lot of uh, music on CD yet. I've got, like, a big pile that I'm going to work through. Um... But in that part, I'll say what music I'm about to be listening to. Um, <laughs> so The Who, Who Are You, Prince, For You, um, Father John Misty, his first two albums. Um, oh, also, uh, one I actually have listened to recently, Best Coast. Uh, I heard that a lot in work. I do enjoy that. Uh, the album's called Always Tomorrow. Um all right. And then on vinyl, I've been listening to uh, Let It Be by The Beatles and uh, Me, Myself, I by Joan Armour Trading. Uh, nice. You put up a cover of that the other day, didn't you? Yes, I did, yeah. Mainly because it was like, the first song I could think of at the top of my head. Um, for watching, I've just finished watching The Simpsons Season 8, uh, which is a good season. Arguably the last of the classic seasons. Uh, depends ah. depends on your point of view of season nine onwards. And I've just finished watching uh, Good Omens. Uh, got that recommended to me. Watched a whole thing through on Blu-ray. Just watched it all in one day. It's a great series. A lot of Queen music used in that. Yeah, that was on there. Uh, it's just based on this great joke in the book where um, uh, there's a line, it's a very Terry Pratchett-esque line that says, uh, any CD left in a car, no matter how long, eventually turns into Queen's greatest hits. <laughs> I like that. Which there's a ring of truth to that. Um uh, Yeah, and there's also a Tori Amos song at the end of it as well. Michael Sheen, David Tennant, good performances. Really enjoyed it. Uh and one out of one. One out of one. Um Uh there's so many gifts I need to get from that series. Do something. I am having a moment here. <laughs> um But uh yeah, in terms of reading, I've actually been getting back into webcomics recently. So I finished rereading Darth and Droids, which is basically Star Wars if uh, it was fought up by D&D players. And then I've got into another one recently called Wildlife, which is like this literally just some guy. He goes to live with a ghost and a teenage werewolf who swears a lot. And it's it, it's my kind of thing. Didn't they make that into a TV show as well? Uh, no, it's a similar concept called Being Human, which is one of my favourite TV shows ever. But uh, no, this is a completely online thing. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Um, Anything else that we want to say? 
I don't know. This has been a weird one because people have just been listening to us yeah. say things. It would, it would feel weird to sort of um, do a regular roundup, so I think we should just continue ambling on towards the end. Uh, is there any plans for any other content uh, at all? Uh, yes, there is, actually. Um, so this episode that you're listening to right now um, came out on Friday, um, or from us. Will come out on past, Friday. Comes out on Friday, which is really weird. I could podcast math is really strange. Um, and then next Friday, um, there's going to be an episode which is just me. <gasps> and I'm going to talk through how I use chords. I'm going to be sat at the piano and playing the piano and talking about sort of the basic building blocks of how I write songs. And um, it's going to be kind of, it's not going uh, to be like a lesson, but it's going to be just me, low key talking about how i use chords and how chords kind of work so that should be fun we'll be looking forward to that anything beyond that um i'll kind of announce as we go i do think we should do like a um pea green boat episode that would be good actually wouldn't see if we can get a three-way phone call set up yeah that would be good actually um what could we talk about with joe uh well pea green boat and uh you know uh, particularly because you've just had your most recent album released, An Unforgettable Luncheon, which is really, really good. Like, if <laughs> it's you... really weird because, like, I'm on the phone to you just talking to you at this point, but then every now and then you plug something, and I'm like, it's just you and me talking. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Available on all streaming platforms. Why are you talking like that? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's how I talk in real life anyway. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, if you are looking for some new music, uh, check out Unforgettable Lunch by P Green Boat. It's their best record yet. Aww, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it would be good to have a good chat with Joe. Um, also, I will be putting up at... some more videos on the YouTube channel. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll have to record one of those later this week and just get the editing done really, really quickly. They're sounding really good, by the way. Uh, which one? Just your YouTube videos that you've been putting up recently. Oh, no, I'm thinking more for the um, podcast channel, talking about the albums kind of thing. Oh, oh I see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that'd, that'd be good. Um, uh, I suppose it's also worth saying, not to round up like usual, but... Um, anybody listening who's interested in connecting, we are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so it's always always worth following on those things, particularly Instagram. You know, we'll always respond to uh, direct messages and comments and stuff like that. Cool. Um, I should say Roger will respond to that because uh, <laughs> I'm a Luddite and I <laughs> sort of like leave all that side <laughs> of stuff alone. I look after the YouTube, however. So uh, we have got a couple of video episodes on there. Uh, as well as a video about me talking about Queen 2. So that's, I'm going to be talking about more albums uh, in the coming weeks. In the coming weeks, we all will disappear into the albums Declan's talking about. Quite so. Yes. Right, because there's no structure, it, isn't it? we've just kind of like unraveled into having this. nothing more to say yeah uh if you want to send in an email at all why not send into weekly song podcast at gmail.com uh we can read it out on air or you know we can just not read it out on air it could be just like a letter comments a song anything at all but yeah yeah do yeah cool 
In uh, fact, if we get if we get enough emails, we could even do another duo episode where we like just go through and do like a mailbox episode. That would be fun. Yeah. I think the good. I think the thing we need to sort of stress is that we want more emails. Uh, <laughs> more emails, more comments, more engagement. That's all plus. Uh, also means we can put more uh, listener viewpoints into every episode, which is always fun. Yeah, definitely. It's more I content mean, for the community. For the community. For the community. All right, I suppose that's kind of it, isn't it? Uh, that seems to be it, yeah. So, uh, yeah, stay safe, be kind. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.